Um, everybody, peace. Welcome to the Sorry to Bother You show. I'm your host, Kashawn Cottle, wherever or however you're listening. We're so grateful to have you here with us. I'm joined here today by my co-host, Mr. Dre Pennington. What's good, everybody? How we feeling? I'm glad. You know, I'm here. It's a good day. Can't wait to talk about these sports. It's a lot been going on, so I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, Dre, it's been quite the week, man. We've had a lot going on uh, the past couple of days in the world of sports. Uh, Dre, I guess, you know, do you just want to dive right into it? Hey, man, I'm definitely with that. Let's Let's get into it. All right, guys, uh, we got a lot uh, in store for you guys on the show. Uh, we're going to be talking about some college football playoff predictions. Or sorry, just college football predictions. We're talk some, talking some NFL as well, uh, analyze the top games of the week. Uh, we're going to talk about the recent firing of former Clippers coach Doc Rivers. And we're going to give you our NBA Finals preview. Uh, and Dre, so let's dive right into it, man. Let's start with some college football. Uh, looking at the top games of the week, uh, we've got number one, Alabama, going up against number 12, Texas A&M. Uh, at the moment, Alabama has the uh, has a 17 spread, and uh, they're pro- playing in Tuscaloosa. Uh, Dre, what are, you, what are you seeing for this game this week? Uh, honestly, I see Alabama winning this by two touchdowns at least. Um, even though they, they just got off of playing Mizzou, who they had a – they were for 30. Um, but Texas A&M also just came off of beating a bad team also. So it kind of evened out. And I just think Alabama has too much. And I just don't think they're going to let up. I don't see Texas A&M – really score being able to score too much either. I think Alabama's strong on both sides this year. Okay. What about you? What are you thinking? Uh, I see Alabama dominating this game. Uh, if you watched the, their game against Missouri last week, uh, they did an excellent job of balancing out their offense attack with uh, Heisman favorite or Heisman hopeful Jalen Waddle and running back Najee Harris. Uh, led by quarterback Mac Jones. Uh, the offense has looked tremendous for the past three or four years at Alabama. Uh, as you know, the question for Alabama these past couple years, surprisingly, has been their defense and uh, specifically their secondary and their linebacking core. I think with the return of uh, senior Dylan Moses, who was injured all of last season, having him back in the lineup at Alabama uh, gives a boost to their defense and provides a spark and um, a necessary leadership that they've been lacking. Uh, And I think with him and junior Patrick Sutsan playing cornerback, I think they're, those are vital and essential leaders to Alabama on defensive end. And the defense looks more intact. It looks more efficient. They're not missing as many tackles in the open field. And I think Texas and is Texas A&M just doesn't match up well with Alabama. Uh, I have Alabama winning by a score of 34 to 17. 
I just don't see the defense or I don't see the defense for Texas A&M matching up at all with the offense at Alabama. Um, seeing as how Alabama, I've, I kind of I noticed that they were scoring around 40, 40 points a game, even though it's only one game, but I still give them around there, maybe more. Uh, I think they'll get, I'd say 45. I, I don't know, probably I'll give Texas a spot them probably 20 28 maybe okay i think it'll be at least it'll be it'll be a big blowout i'm giving it a big blowout okay okay so you have them covering the spread yeah i think i do there's no way they don't cover it okay gotcha gotcha uh i'll just say this right now Drake, as a as a hot take either Najee harris or jalen waddle are going to be in the heisman finalists Ooh. At the end of the day. Oh, hot takes. Yeah. I think Jalen Waddles. I don't know. Hey, man, every year. Yeah. I mean, I think Jalen Waddles. Every year, though. But every year, there seems like there's a new person that just comes out of nowhere that does take, like, that jumps in that Heisman talk, though. Well, I mean, for the past couple of years, though, they've had the best receiving core with oh Jerry Judy, Henry Ruggs, uh, Devontae Smith, and Jalen Waddle. And though they lost Ruggs and Judy, they still have two of the top five wide receivers in college football with uh, Waddle and Devontae Smith. So you know, it's no question that the someone's going on that offensive end is going to step up and be uh, dominant over the course of the season. But uh, that's not the only SEC matchup we have going on this week. Uh, we also have number seven, Auburn, going up against number four, Georgia. Uh, currently, Georgia has a spread of seven. Um, Trey, what you got? What you got for this game? Um, so I, I'm pretty sure this is another two, two quarterback battle. This is another quarterback battle right here. So I'm gonna go with I'm gonna go with Auburn this this game. I I feel like they're both good. Very they're both very good defensively. Defensively, I think Georgia gave up maybe ten points. Uh, Auburn gave up thirteen. Um, so I think it'll I think they'll be I think it'll be if Georgia would win, it'll be only by about three. I think it'll it won't be a freak. I don't think it'll be a um, a touchdown. I'm going for a field goal win, honestly. But I got Auburn winning. I have Auburn winning this game by uh, – I'm going to go 27-20 Auburn. Okay. Okay. Uh, Dre, I have to disagree with you wholeheartedly. I got Georgia winning by a score of 27-23. to 23. I don't think they'll cover the spread, but I do, do think the game will be close. Uh, I think Georgia's offense uh, has looked very suspect. That's being that's putting it lightly these past two weeks. Uh, or last week, sorry. They're, they've got a lot of questions at the quarterback position. Um, Stetson Bennett uh, filled in uh, quite well last week, but um, they also have their – the USC transfer quarterback, JT Daniel, who's supposed to be eligible to play starting this week. So I expect him to get some reps in that quarterback as well. And I think having him in will make the offense a little bit more dynamic, uh, more fluid as well. 
And Georgia's uh, has, in my opinion, two uh, members of their offensive line that are going to get drafted in the first round, and Andrew Thomas and Isaiah Wilson. Uh, both of them right now at the moment are projected to get drafted in the first round of next year's draft. But um, Georgia's secondary also looks very good. They recorded three interceptions last week against Arkansas. Um, I think the secondary is going to be able to stifle Bo Nix because the Auburn offense, rushing attack has been susceptible and it hasn't been efficient. Um, and it wasn't efficient last week. So I think that Auburn's going to have to rely heavily on the passing game, but I think that fits into what Georgia does best defensively, which is their secondary. Uh, though Auburn has a pretty stout wide receiving core, and you know Seth Williams and Anthony Schwartz and Eli Stowe, but um, I just think that the Georgia secondary is going to be able to apply pressure and mat- match up well against them and man them up because the interior for the Georgia defense is going to be able to apply pressure to Bo Nix and the Auburn offensive line. So uh, I don't see – I see this game being close just because of, it's an SEC matchup. But I do see Georgia pulling this one out by a score of 27 to 23. All right. Well, uh, Dre, yeah, so that's some – we got some pretty good games over college football, man. Um, quick question, though. So who do you think – I know it's still very early in the season. Who would you say right now is the best college football team in college football? Um, right now, who's number one right now is Clemson, isn't it? Because they have the I, who I think is the best quarterback is um, is on Clemson. I think he's going to go number one next year. Um, and we all know that quarterback plays is important in college. So I want to say Clemson, but I'm not sure how their defense has been this year. I haven't been able to check out any of their games. Okay. Okay. Yeah, uh, I think it'll be interesting once the Pac-12 gets into play as well and have all the teams in the Power Five conference playing. Uh, a lot of teams down in the top 25 probably shouldn't be in the top 25, but they're only in there because a lot of teams aren't playing right now. But it'll be interesting to see how the college football season uh, moves forward uh, later in the year. But, Dre, uh, enough college football. Let's talk about what everyone in the basketball world has been talking about for the past couple of days. And that is the firing of Clippers head coach, former Clippers head coach, Doc Rivers. Uh, as you guys know, the, uh, the Clippers blew a 3-1 lead to the Denver Nuggets in the second round of the Western of the NBA playoffs. And uh, not long after, they fired Doc Rivers. Uh, Doc Rivers is the winningest head coach in Clippers history, though he has blown two uh, 3-1 leads and is during his time at as a Clippers head coach and has never gotten past the second round. Uh, Dre, right move, wrong move. What are you thinking? Um, in my opinion, I don't think it's the right move. Um, to me, Doc Rivers is actually a really good coach, puts you over the top. Uh, I think they need the more, I think they more so should look, look at, you know, their core and their players. Um, because let's just be honest, like their players were, they were, they were not good. 
and that three one like that three one blown lead. Uh, that goes from Lou Will to Montrez to to um, Paul George. Paul George too. None of them really played well, seeing as how they're all uh, fifteen to what twenty point scorers on their team, and they were out there getting seven eight points a game, or even ten. So like I don't understand how. Doc Rivers is the fault. He's not out the one. He's not the one out there shooting the ball. Even though it, it he does play a part in it because he does put them in the right, the right, you know, the right positions to score and put the ball in the hoop, or the right positions in the right schemes to make a difference in the game. But at the same time, I think management had to put some pressure on someone, and they were like, like, okay, we gotta like we like somebody has to go for for this year. They put a, they put too much media, too much hype, and too much money into to this year for them not to be in the, at least at least sniffing the Western Conference Finals. Right. So um, management had to make a decision, and I think Doc Rivers was they felt like over like was was that decision. I don't agree with it. I, I think the Clippers culture as a whole isn't the best uh, because they don't have to me their organization doesn't have like a winning culture. So it's a little hard to like get that started, but this is the NBA and you know, you want to win now. So I understand. And you only have so many people in their prime for so long. Yeah. What about you? What are you thinking? Uh, yeah, Dre. So you, um, you talked about culture, right? The, you said the Clippers have a problem with culture, right? Yeah. Okay, so aside from the GM and the owner, obviously it starts from the top, but it trickles down. Before it gets to the players, it comes to the head coach, right? So we're talking about culture. The culture culture uh, makes up accountability. It makes up intensity. Uh, it makes up camaraderie. There's a lot of factors that come into creating a great culture. Uh, and I think that Doc Rivers has done a poor job of creating or helping to facilitate and create a great culture with the LA Clippers, whether that's due to his inability to reel in his star players or create a great, uh, unique offensive scheme. Uh, don't get it. Don't get, don't get it twisted. Doc Rivers is an amazing coach and he's going to find a job very soon in NBA, maybe within the next couple of days. But I just do – I do think that the blame has to be on Doc Rivers for this recent collapse by the L.A. Clippers. And I say that because, yes, you were saying that the PG and Kawhi and Montrez and Lou, those are the guys shooting the ball during the game. But as a coach, you have to take into account that if you see certain players aren't playing up to par – with your team still up 15, 16 points in a closeout game, you have to take them out no matter – what type of role they have on your team. So if you're up 15 points and your quote unquote second best player isn't playing up to par, don't leave him in. You got to take him out. You understand? You got to take him out because he's not playing up to par. And also I think a lot of us have gotten into the notion that Doc Rivers is a great coach. I talked about this a little bit last on our show a couple weeks ago. A lot of us think that, that Doc Rivers is this, amazing outstanding great coach and he's a very good coach but i won't he's not in that top tier in my opinion uh 
yes, he has won. He did win the championship in 08 with the Boston Celtics. But I think he's shown time and time again throughout his career, he has shown the inability to close out series and keep his players accountable. Now, don't, don't get me wrong, though. Doc Rivers is better than 85% of the coaches in this league. But I just think we have to look at his career and his coaching style with some objectivity. Uh, I think this is the right move. Something had to get done. Something had to change um, after this collapse by the Clippers. Uh, we can't. You can't just go into this offseason and change nothing. Not after blowing a three-one lead when you were predicted by many to win the NBA championship. I, I think that. Um, well, I don't think I know for certain that Steve Ballmer ran this decision by Paul George and Kawhi Leonard before he uh, he pulled the pulled the switch. And for for me to sit here and see that. Paul George or Kawhi Leonard, not, neither of them backed, um, backed Doc Rivers. I think that says a lot about what the, how the players themselves feel about Doc Rivers as a coach. And I'll just leave it at that. Okay. But if you want to be honest, um, we're not going to sit here and act like Paul George hasn't been a bamboozled in his career before, uh, not, not showing up in playoff games. Um, so you can see with OKC, he didn't do it. Um, a couple games, I remember from the Pacers, he played semi-well, but he didn't play at his best. Um, but specifically with the OKC one, I, I, I seen it and I was like, wow, that's crazy. Like, I didn't think he would do that. I didn't think he would be that bad on that team granted they, they said he was he had a hurt shoulder but that first year I think was more so his fault too so um I don't know you can you like you can you can pick and choose you can nitpick about it but um in the end it's all up to management and what you when you like with that what you said like um you know you should pull players out there's a story about that with Kevin McHale when he you remember when um, the Thunder, not the Thunder, the Rocket, when they came back from their 3-1 lead, actually against the Clippers. Now it's, that we bring it up, it's kind of funny. Mm-hmm. As you remember that. Um, so there's a story that Kevin McHale was being pushed by management. Hey, you need to put Harden back in. But no one remembers that in game six, Harden was out almost the whole time that came back and they were down 15, and it was actually, like, their role players that brought them back. But management pushed the fact that, okay, hey, no, get Harden in. Like, Harden's our star player. That's who we pay our money. We, we need him in. So sometimes people probably want to pull those – like, coaches probably want to pull those guys out. Like, I can't – but you still have management saying, like, no, they were, we're giving them this money. We're, we're pushing them as our star. They need to stay in this game. So people sometimes people don't realize that that stuff that type of stuff happens, and that's also um, one of the reasons why Kevin McHale lost his job also. And I think that's how his disconnect with Harden happened, is because of one of the, uh, because of that series. Mm-hmm. Okay. So I I think I think you're right about uh, there was going to have to be some type of shakeup. 
but I just feel as though it wasn't a big shakeup because everyone everyone knew something was happening, whether it was players being traded or a firing and a new coach. Right. Right. Uh, I will say this though, Drake, uh, talking about the example you brought up with Kevin McHale uh, back in the 20th, 2015 NBA playoffs. Uh, the, the difference still, Dre, between that Rockets organization and the this Clippers organization is that Steve Ballmer has given Doc Rivers carte blanche to do what he needs to do in terms of basketball. You understand? So he has a lot of – he has more sway when it comes to the basketball movements than Kevin McHale did in that Rockets organization. I'm talking about Doc Rivers. Yeah. So I'm not sure if that's a valid uh, comparison to make with those two, but I do agree with what you said. Like the, there was a, a shakeup needed to be done and I completely agree in firing Doc Rivers, but okay. So let me ask you this little quick question before we move on. Who would be a good fit? Yeah. Who would be a good fit for uh, Clippers head coaching guy? So how I've heard it is people keep saying Mark Jackson because he's great at holding players accountable, but there are also things I've I've heard about Mark Jackson not getting along with management, but also um, putting like players against each other instead of having them come together. So there, he's I've heard that he caused some type of disconnect, um, and that's like that's actually like reports that have, that are out there. If people wanted to go look for that, um, I don't think D'Antoni would be a good one. They need they need a coach that's gonna like gonna be able to hold accountable, but put guys in the right spots and not just put it in Kawhi's hands and let that's like or put Kawhi in pick and roll like stuff like that. Like I don't think that's that's necessarily them all the way. Um, I honestly don't know. That, that's a good, very good question. Because it's championship or bust for them every year that they have that team. Right. Who Who do you think would be a good a good uh, coach for them? I think Mark Jackson would be the best fit. Uh, I disagree with the reports that you've heard, Dre. Uh, from what I've heard, from what I've read about what the players were from Golden State, how they feel about Mark Jackson. They said that they loved Mark Jackson. They loved what he brought to that organization in terms of accountability and creating a great culture, a strong culture with Golden State. Uh, That's what I've heard from his former players. I think that's what the Clippers would need, someone that's able to come in and build a strong culture and keep players accountable. Uh, But if you're not going to hire Mark Jackson – I think you stay in-house and you hire either Ty Lue or Sam Cassell, move one of them up to the head coaching position because both of those are two very uh, qualified uh, coaches that should have a head coaching job, in my opinion. But uh, I will say this, though, Dre, before we move on, Doc Rivers will have a job within the next three days from this recording. Uh, But that's that's just me. That's how I feel. Hey, being honest, we can say we can say two. By the way, I've heard things. So, if we're gonna be honest, next two days after this recording goes up. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. 
But uh, all right, Dre, so let's take a break from the basketball world. Let's move back into football. But this time, let's talk about some NFL football, right? Uh, yeah. Who's I want to start with, Dre, is the Pittsburgh and Tennessee game being postponed due to COVID-19 testing. So for those of you who don't know, the Tennessee Titans had three players and five members of the personnel staff test positive for COVID-19. And since then, the Titans have closed down their facilities until Saturday. Uh, and in so doing that, the NFL has postponed their game from Sunday uh, and moved it back a couple of days. Um, Dre, just thinking about this whole dynamic of the NFL landscape with everything that's going on in the world with COVID-19, was this the right decision to push back the game with Pittsburgh and Tennessee? Uh, ultimately, yes, because you want to be safe. You want to make sure people are okay. And um, they don't necessarily know who got it first. So, and, it's, and like we said, with COVID, it spreads like that. It, all it takes is a cough or, you know, just like some, some swapping of like, I'm pretty sure swap, some swapping of fluids. And like you have a you have a bunch of people sick, so um, and people are still asymptomatic. That's still a thing. I I think this is a good idea for them. You know, let it let it kind of clean out, clean your whole build, clean the building, clean the you know facilities, and then come back to it and let those guys who are kind of out, uh, you know, just just sit at home, let them like recover and everything. Um, there's. I don't know. It's, it's, it's a scary, scary feeling. I would think get finding out that you get COVID and getting sick. Um, so I think that it was the right move for them. Right. Uh, Ray, I, I, if you remember when we talked about this, man, I want to say back in June, you were asking me if I thought that the NFL would have a season. And I said yes because too much money would be lost if they didn't. And then you asked me if they would be able to finish the season. And I said yes because they would lose too much money if they didn't. <laughs> um, so what we have to understand is that we are in an existential circumstance. We, this is something that's unprecedented in the world. Everyone is experiencing something that we have never experienced before, which causes which – calls for new guidelines and regulations and new ways of going about handling business. And what we have to remember is this old saying is that perfection is the enemy of good. We expect things to be perfect because that's how they pre previously were in the sports world. But we have to understand now with the guidelines and regulations and things that are set up now, we have to be okay with things not being perfect and there being some some hiccups and some missteps, but we had to be okay with being able with acknowledging that, seeing that, and fixing them, those things and moving forward. I think this is just a clear example of that. I think we all expected this to happen at some point during the season, just with the close contact and how far yeah. it works. You know what I mean? Um, this was good. This is bound to happen eventually, but it's good that it happened so early in the season, so now people can see how to properly react to something like this and not get too blown out of proportion by it 
and understand that the necessary steps are going to be taken to keep all the players and personnel and staff, keep their health, uh, safety, keep them, keep them intact. Um, and I think this is, the, I, I agree, obviously it was the right decision to push it forward, push the game back. But um, we have to understand that things are going to be fine, that it's, the game's not going to be canceled. It's just going to be played on a later date, that uh, things like this are going to happen during the season. And we have to be okay with that. Oof. It's going to be a rough one, though. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't, I don't know how they necessarily like. Um, they do they now like do not like check everyone and kind of test everyone again and again like each week or do they like how do, how do you think they go on about this now? I think you still keep the same guidelines and regulations, still test weekly or daily how they've been doing it. Uh, still keep the same rules and implications, but now they know what can happen if someone doesn't. If someone does test positive, you know? Okay. Yeah. It's understandable. Yeah. Well, uh, but Dre, let's talk about some of the games that are going to be played this week. Uh, let's start with uh, two of your three favorite teams in the NFL with the New, oh, the New England Patriots going up against the Kansas City Chiefs. Um. At the moment, Kansas City has the spread of seven. Uh, Dre, I'll do, I'll jump in this into this one right quick because um, I have Go ahead. I have a lot to talk about, so I'll, I'll just jump in real quick. Um, the Kansas City defense has looked outstanding this season, much better than I expected. Um, <laughs> Damian Wilson and Frank Clark and Anthony Hitchens and the entire D line has been playing phenomenal and applying pressure to the quarterback. Uh, and obviously with their secondary led by Tyron Matthew has stifled the passing game of their opposing teams. Uh, but with that being said, uh, the new England running game has looked very good, obviously led by Cam Newton. Uh, I, they're off the passing game has looked susceptible at times, but when, Cam is on target and he's throwing outside of the numbers to like Julian Edelman and Nikhil Harry. The offense looks good because now it's balanced and it's more dynamic. Uh, but I will say that the strong point of New England's defense, I believe, is their secondary led by Stephon Gilmore and Devin and Jason McCourty. Uh, I don't – I think that Kansas City's offense is just so dynamic and so explosive it doesn't matter what defense they're going up against. They're going to put up at least 30 points, man. And I don't see New England's offense being able to get into a shootout or survive a shootout with Kansas City. So I, I see this game uh, being close in the first half. I do see Kansas City pulling away. I have Kansas City beating New England by a score of 32-24. to 24. And not to mention that New England also has four players – on the offense uh, that are questionable for the game. So I think that adding yeah. that um, pushes me towards choosing Kansas City. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. Uh, Kansas City is strong, man. I'm, oh, my God, it's ridiculous. It makes me so mad. You don't understand how mad I get 
from just the Super Bowl hurt is still there. It's okay. It's okay. But um, they hung – Mahomes hung, what, I think 385, 400 – uh, 385 yards, four TDs on uh, Baltimore last year. I mean, Baltimore last week. And Baltimore is – they're no slacks either. They're also a Super Bowl pick, you know, if Kansas City has a slip-up anywhere to go to the Super Bowl. And uh, like you said, Kansas City's defense really held it down. Um, how I heard it how, – how I kind of watched it was Mah- – not Mahomes um, – uh, can you name the name of the Baltimore quarterback? Sorry. Lamar Jackson. Yeah. Lamar Jackson kind of had some, he was kind of iffy with his passes with Kansas city's, uh, secondary because they were, they were just on point. They were there every time. And like you said, the, the, um, the defensive line is there, but also Mahomes is getting, getting it out and they're being explosive as they're supposed to be. So, Kansas City, I think the thing is, Kansas City struggles against England because of how Bill Belichick, how good Bill Belichick is defensively. Um, so I see this, you know, maybe even a closer game. And every time it's been pretty close. Uh, I don't think it's ever been a blowout between those two, has it, since Mahomes has been on the team? Mm-hmm. It's always been within three points or a seven-point win. So I'm going to go Kansas City by three, um, 38-35. I think, I think you're undervaluing – I think you're underestimating the, uh, the Patriots' offense. But I think we might be overestimating the uh, Kansas City defense. But they've looked strong, so I don't know. But I think – I give uh, the Patriots. I think they can. Ha- I think they can hang with thirty-five. Okay. Okay. So what's your score? What's your score? I, I give it 38-35 um, Kansas City. Okay. But I think it. I just see. I I just think that Kansas City is so explosive that they'll win, but it won't be by the. Margin that we're thinking. Uh, I think it'll be a super close game, like down to the wire. Okay. Okay. Nice. Okay. That that should, should definitely be interesting to watch. Uh, I think that's going. I think it's going to be the best game of the week, uh, just in terms of matchups. But I just don't see it being as close as you do. But um, hopefully you're right. Hopefully it's a close game. All right, Trey. Let's talk about. Um, you wanted to have this – you wanted to talk about this game. I didn't, but um, I'm going to let you – I'm going to let you lead this one, man. Um, <laughs> uh, as you said, two of the, Don't do that to me. Two of the, Don't most, do that. Two of the most underrated teams in the NFL are matching up this week with the Dallas Cowboys going up against the Cleveland Browns. Um, Dre, I'm going to let you take this one because you clearly just have a lot to say about these two teams, right? Okay, first off, I don't have a lot to say in the sense of, like, they're great. Um, the Cowboys, who who I think they overpay – I feel like they overpay a lot of their players, but they also didn't solve their quarterback issue, and I think that's causing some continuity within the team. But given that they have low, they have lost a couple 
a couple of games to some really some pretty good teams since they lost to the um the LA Rams and the Seattle into Seattle. Still pretty close games. And the Cowboys try to hang in there, but they're just I just don't think they have enough right now. Something something about their team is just off. I don't know what it is. It's just something about them that's off. And the Browns, for the first time in years, have a winning record. Did you know that? Did you know that they have a winning record for the first time in years? Just, just answer, that's a that's a yes or no one right there. Yes, I was aware. <laughs> <laughs> okay, but they still have they they still have the same questions that they've always had, and that is how good is their quarterback? They have all that like. Mayfield, Baker Mayfield has not answered any of the things that people have been asking for. Seeing as how he's like, he gives up, he gives up, you know, you know just random, like weird uh, passes. But also, I don't, I don't know if he and Odell are on the same page because it seems like they're not make, they're just not clicking. But also, um, he has very weird interceptions, mm-hmm. and their team, their team just. Their team is lucky enough that they've played they've had a bad schedule for the first the first three games. I'll say that. <laughs> so I'll say that. And then um both teams are also giving up thirty points a game. <laughs> but both are also only scoring about twenty six, I wanna say twenty seven, twenty seven a game. So they're giving up more than uh than they're getting. So in my opinion, this will be a shootout. More so, who can score fat? Who can score more? Mm-hmm. So don't be surprised if it's if it's a high scoring game for for them. I would say, yeah. But I do have the Cowboys winning. Um, I would say, man, is a hard one because I do like the Browns. The Browns' defense is decent. It's just their offense. I don't think is that good. So their their defense stays on the on the field too long. Um, I'll give. Uh, thirty to twenty-three Cowboys. Thirty twenty-three Cowboys. Okay. Okay. Uh, I don't know. I feel bad about that pick because the Browns are winning right now, and maybe they catch a hot streak and they keep winning. But I just don't see it. I don't know. I don't believe in Mayfield. I'm not. A, I'm not a big Mayfield fan. Right. Right. Um, that's interesting you say that, Dre. Um, you know, if, if a person shows you what they are enough times, you have to at some point believe them for what they are and what they say they are. And with that being said, Baker Mayfield over these past three years has showed us time and time again what he is and what he isn't, most importantly. And what he is not is a number one overall pick. Uh, I I think that we have um, we have created this persona and this imaginative and false like narrative that Baker Mayfield is supposed to be a top five quarterback or even a top ten quarterback, but and quite frankly, he's not, and it's okay, he's not. But the Browns did waste the number one overall pick on him. So they have to be able to held accountable for that. <laughs> um, 
But the you have to accept that what he he's not a, he's not that that guy at least not yet and he hasn't shown the potential to be he has he's had spurts sure but Joe Flacco had spurts and look where he's at now he's the second string quarterback in in the Jets you know but it, and but don't get me wrong uh, Baker's a good quarterback by standards whatever standard you have like you know he's he's top 15 but uh but i will say this um (laughs) getting off baker uh i don't like the secondary in cleveland i think they're pretty susceptible as well um they played washington last week and they went up against a rookie quarterback named wayne haskins who picked them apart on occasion though he did have turnovers the first turnovers were caused by the interior pressure by the Browns uh, pass rush, which led to Haskins throwing yeah. inaccurate passes or even fumbling the ball. I think that's what caused those turnovers, not great coverage. And getting on the Cowboys, the Cowboys have been scoring so much this season because they get so far behind. I mean, they were down by, what, 20 to Atlanta? Yeah, yeah. 15 to Seattle. So when when that happens, you know the Dallas they well they're moving towards a pass happy offense, but still when they get down that much, they have no choice but to throw the ball. They're not giving seat the ball. They're putting in Dax and forcing to throw it to Cooper and Ceedee Lamb and Michael Gallup. So that's why they're putting up the points. Uh, but I will say that I think this game isn't going to be. First of all, it's not going to be close. I have Dallas winning by a score of twenty eight. I I think the secondary in Dallas is gonna step up for once this week. Um, with especially uh, Trayvon Diggs, their rookie court cornerback, I think he's gonna have a good game. But I think that with Dallas being up early, they won't have to score as much. So then now they'll be able to get Zeke the ball and they'll be able to run out the clock. And I just don't I don't have much faith in the Browns' offense, though they are up. Um, though they are. Sorry, they are. They do have a winning record for the first time in, like you said, seven years. I don't know, but something like that. But I just, yeah, dude, I don't have, I don't, I don't, I don't know why you wanted to talk about this game, man. <laughs> 28, 28, 17 Dallas, man. Come on. <laughs> because you don't understand. 28, 17. Okay. You're being a little bold. All I'm saying is they're two of the most overhyped. Well, let me say this. The Cowboys is probably the most overhyped eight and eight team I've ever seen. The best mediocre team, and the Browns are. Yeah, they are, and the Browns is believed to be some type of like just because they got Odell, they were be believed to be a powerhouse after that, like just killing teams. And I was like, dude, I don't, I like, I get that. That's a new dynamic to your team. But I was like, you still have a lot of unanswered questions on both sides of the ball that are major, that are major. They don't have – I don't think they have a lockdown corner. I, like you said, their secondary is very spotty. But they have a great end. Um, and – oh, man, I'm, I'm so bad with names today. Um, they have a great DN. But even with that, they have a great, like, you know, they, they, they have a great uh, front seven. I just 
I don't know. There's something about the Browns that I just don't do not like at all. I just don't. It's it's, it's bad, but I just don't like it. And I think that um, for having a easy schedule the first couple games, I think that they're going to benefit from it. But do I see them going to the playoffs? No, because I don't think they'll make it past the Steelers or um, or the Ravens. In all, in all honesty. And they barely passed – they barely got past Cincinnati, if we're being honest. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> that's true. Um, I wish I could say I'd be – I'm intrigued to watch that game, but quite frankly, I'm not. Uh, so, if it's okay with you, Dre, let's just leave this game where it is, and that's just a mediocrity. So, let's leave it there. Yeah. And <laughs> let's talk about what <laughs> – <laughs> Let's talk about what everybody has tuned into the show to actually hear us talk about, and that's the NBA Finals. <laughs> As you know, LeBron, the LeBron-led Los Angeles Lakers will be going up against Jimmy Butler in the Miami Heat. Whoa, whoa. 20 NBA Finals. <laughs> um, Dre- Are we going to say LeBron-led? So we're, we're, we're not going to account for AD? Are you serious? You know, you know what, Dre? You know what? Why don't you start us out with what you see happening? No, 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 you got it. You got it. No, no, no. Go ahead. Start. Go ahead. You start out. Give us your prediction. Your All right. What you see happening. My prediction? Um. Okay, first off, I'm going to say this. The Heat deserve to be in the finals. The Heat beat the, beat the Bucks. They beat the Celtics. And the Heat weren't even, you know, even a favorite to get to the finals. Let's, let's be honest. No one expected this team to be here, but everybody wants a player like Jimmy Butler on their team. Let's be like, that is a hundred percent honesty. And um, we talk about culture. We talked about culture with the Clippers. That team has everything you want in it for a culture. Mm-hmm. Um, and I like Bam. And I like the the heat, but you know the whole year I've picked. If we if we're gonna go back, I picked LA to win the championship this year at the beginning of the year because I said that I said they're they're a bigger team than everybody, and I was like, and it's not that they're just bigger; they're skilled, they're more skilled. The only thing that I didn't like about them was their shooting. Mm-hmm. And I think that's something that, like, is their Achilles heel. Uh, do I expect them to be blowouts every game for the whole series? No. Do I expect to be close every series? Uh, yes, I expect to be close. Um, but we're not going to sit here and act like AD hasn't been a monster on this road to the finals. <laughs> AD out here giving Jokic fit <laughs> all right uh but first game i'm gonna go lakers um 110 to to 108 ah, now i'm gonna go i'm gonna go 120 to 113 lakers for the first game just because i think it's a a fill-out game and i think it's a lot it's a lot of scoring is gonna happen but I think AD is just a unicorn, and I think he pushes everyone. I think he pushes them over the. 
Okay. So what's your prediction for the series? Uh, for the series, <laughs> it's a funny one. I'm going to go 4-2 Lakers. Oh. Uh, I think it'll be a fight just because. I think it'll be a fight because I feel the Lakers. I I said I wouldn't say they're gonna come in under people are coming to come in underestimating the Heat, but the Heat have great shooting. I've the way they were getting it up the Bucks and the Celtics, and the fact that Goran Dragic is out here just really killing point guards, uh, and that's and like we said, the thing that um, the Heat uh, said the Heat. The Lakers struggle with is with against is against like guards guard play. Uh, I'm gonna pick the Heat to lead two games. They're gonna get two of them. Okay. Okay. Gotcha. Um. What about you? What are you thinking? I think six is pretty generous. Lakers and six is pretty generous, Trey. Um, <laughs> but before before I get on that point. I want to talk about the Miami Heat first. Um, I hope that young athletes are watch not just young athletes, young athletes and young coaches. I hope they're watching these the, the Miami Heat playoff run and they, they watch these NBA finals because you're gonna you're you're gonna get to see the importance, which we've been talking about culture a lot these past two weeks. Of we're gonna see the importance of having a great culture and the importance of having players that know how to play and stay within their role for the benefit of the team. So often we see players um, try to play outside of their role because they want to get theirs. They have the disease of me. They're worried about themselves. But with Miami is what you see that you see a collective group of guys that have one common goal, and that's winning a championship. And that comes from Pat Riley down to Eric Spolster down to the players. So they all have one goal, and they're all willing to play their role, play their part to perfection, and not step on any step on anyone else's anyone else's toes or get in any, anyone else's role. They're they're willing to play their part to perfection, and do what is necessary, whether sacrificing for them their own play, or adding something to their game that they wouldn't necessarily add if they were part of another team. But doing things like that to make this team the best possible team that it could be, and we've seen this happen with Miami. And this Miami team really reminds me of the 04 Pistons. Sorry. Yes, yes, the 04 Pistons that made the finals and matched up against the LA Lakers. Now we know that the Detroit Pistons ended up winning that game and or that series, sorry, in five games. Um, but that's what this Miami team reminds me of. A team that a collective group of guys that are pretty good defensively. Uh, can shoot the ball pretty well. They move the ball well. Uh, there's not one alpha. You can say Jimmy Butler's the alpha in terms of his demeanor and his mentality, but in terms of skill set, everyone's kind of on the same level. Um, if you want to say Jimmy Butler's slightly above everyone else, I'll give you that. But it's a complete and total team effort, which is what I pre- appreciate from Miami, because and they've shown – that you don't need two and three superstars to win a championship in this league. You can do it with this sort of format they have as long as the culture is good. Now, with that being said, the Lakers are going to win this series in four games. It's going to be a sweep. It will not be. (laughs) (laughs) 
there will be no game in this series that's within 20 points. Let me not say that. Okay, that's too far. There will be no game, there will be no game in this series that's within 15 points. I will say that. No game oh my God. <laughs> in 15 points. Um, Dre, you touched on it. Anthony Davis is playing like a top three player in the league right now. Uh, I don't see any way you can guard him when LeBron's on the court because now he's able to – with LeBron on the court, he's able to get more spacing. He's able to pick, get the ball on the wing and blow by his defender, which is normally a big man, and finish at the top of the rim because he's 6'11". There's no stopping. Anthony Davis is going to average 34 points in this series, but LeBron is still going to win finals MVP simply because of narrative, and people want to see LeBron get his fourth NBA finals MVP, which I think he will. I think LeBron's going to average a double-double in this series. I think Rondo is going to average 10 assists in this series. Um, And I think that Danny Green, your guy – is going to step up and average three three oh my gosh. in the series. I think I think the Lakers are playing well. I think they have reached their peak finally. They're playing the best level of basketball that they can play, and I I think it's just going to culminate in a sweep. And congratulations to LeBron James for winning his fourth championship. About time. What? Don't don't do that to him though. Like don't. Ah, oh, it's about time. Come on, man. Like. It's been a it's been a lot. Like he's had to go through a lot. We're not gonna do that to him. Listen, I'm just I'm just saying, LeBron, after winning this championship, will be in my top four all time. Oh wow! All right. Well, um, but I feel like, um, and all that's so crazy. But uh, being honest, uh, regardless of what people say, um, saying this was an easy road to the finals for them, whatever, yada, 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 none of that is true because um, Agree. health and health is, is another thing about – yeah. Health is like – health happens in every series, and it happens for every single team that's on their way to the championship. You can say – um, Golden State with Kyrie and Kevin Love getting hurt, or you can say with um, even after the, the year after that, with the Draymond being suspended and Andrew Bogut, I want to say Andrew Bogut getting hurt. Um, you could say even last year with Clay and KD being out, and basically everybody, the whole like Warriors roster just depleted. Um, all that is understandable, but there's no such thing as easy road to the finals. Agreed. I agree, man. Um, in all seriousness, though, um, I do think the size of the Lakers is going to be a problem for Miami as well. Um, I do think that LeBron's ability – to draw in the double team and kick it out, it's going to hurt Miami because so far they've done a good job of double teaming the other the opposing team star player. I don't think they'll be able to do it the same way against LeBron or AD because of too many mismatches and too much spacing on the floor. 
especially with the Lakers, like you said, when they shoot well, um, even though they haven't done it much, when they do shoot well, they look good. They look good. So um, one of the things that is super funny to me is um, like thinking that any other team deserved to be in this because the Heat, to me, they, they embody, like you said, they embody what every, like, like they embody their own type of culture and they, they bring in the next guy up. So I, I just want people to think about this. Just, just think about this. Um, their star player was not a lottery pick. Uh, what else? Their starting point guard, well, the starting point guard for the season was not was went undrafted. They have multiple guys on that team and in their rotation who are undrafted, second round, or are late lottery or not lottery picks. So to me, they are. I think Pat Riley has the one of the best eyes for talent. Yeah, well said. I'd agree, one hundred percent, man. Yeah, yeah. Um, man, and and. And if we're being honest, that's super young too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, they're going to be a team to be reckoned with in the Eastern Conference for the next couple of years, for sure. And if they can bring in one star, one other star player, not saying that they need it, but if they can bring in one other star player, that they will be Eastern Conference contenders, top two, without a question, for the next couple of years. But um. Uh, It'll be it's, it's gonna be good to see the NBA finals on TV, Dre. It's gonna be fun to watch. Um, but you got Lakers Man. and Knicks. I got him in four. Uh either way, LeBron is gonna have his fourth championship. So congratulations, LA Lakers in advance. Uh Dre, real quick, real quick, man, before we finish, I just want to give a shout out. Congratulations to the Tampa Bay Lightning for winning the Stanley Cup. Uh the NHL Stanley Cup. Uh, I will say that I only like to talk about hockey if my capitals are doing well, but I have to get credit for this dude. <laughs> one of the highest scoring offensive teams all the year, and they finally have gotten together. They've gotten over that hump, and they finally won that Stanley Cup uh, final, or Stanley Cup. And congratulations to them. Uh, and I, oh, I do want to give my baseball prediction real quick. Um, real quick, I've got the Oakland A's and the Atlanta Braves in the World Series, and I've got Oakland winning in six. I called it right now, and there's going to be a party in Oakland. Yo, shout, shout out to the Bay. <laughs> shout out to the Bay. Shout out to the Bay. Right, right. So, Oakland A's. Hey, man. Thank you. Shout out. Right. Yeah. Have a, it's going to be good to see baseball in the playoffs and postseason. But yes, yeah, so I got the Oakland A's winning the World Series. Um, Dre, that's all we have on the show for today. Before we leave, do you have any shout outs that you want to give? Um, I want to give a big shout out to my cousin. She just had her fourth child, um, Gianna. I don't want to say 
Yeah, Gianna Pennington. Shout out to her. Welcome to the family. We can't wait to see you. My bad, Gianna Phillips. Shout out to you. Welcome to the family. We can't wait to see you. We can't wait to meet you and greet you. Um, shout out to one of my best friends. Uh, his name is Monte. Shout out to Brandon Rimberg. Go look at his clothing. They're still amazing. It's still like one of the best, best things you can go get. And, uh, you know, that's all I can think about. Anything for you? Uh, shout out to the Nerdy In Many Ways YouTube channel. Uh, they've been supporting us throughout this entire journey we've had. Much love to them. And shout out to the Tatiana Jasmine YouTube channel. Uh, they've got great content on there as well. If you're looking for reviews on Whole Foods and Trader Joe's, things like that. Um, and shout out to all the college athletes that are pushing through this year, despite the uncertainty going on in, with their season. Much love to you guys. Much respect to you guys. I know this are, these are uncertain times, but continue to stay faithful and stay strong. Just know that your season will come and to take advantage of it when it does. Because this, this should show you guys that each game could be your last and to take every game. Never take any game for granted. But, um, Dre, that's all we got for today. Uh, we'll be back again next week. Um, to have more content, more football, more life, to have more talks with you guys. We really appreciate you guys tuning in and continue to stay safe, be vigilant, make smart decisions. And until next time, guys, peace.